Hello. I was lucky enough to be backstage at the IMI's prestigious National Management Conference, where over 200 business leaders got to hear from three wonderful guest speakers who provided some truly thought-provoking insights. Here's my conversation with Professor Herminia Ibarra, Professor of Organisational Behaviour at the London Business School. So, Herminia, lovely to meet you. Uh, I'm so glad you could join us today. Um, I guess I'm, I imagine most people will know who you are already, but uh, just for the for the listeners, could you just give us a quick overview of who you are and, and your area of expertise? Sure. Thanks so much. I'm Herminia Ibarra. I'm a professor of organizational behavior at the London Business School, and my research and my teaching focuses on a couple of different areas that really come together uh, around leadership development around leadership in organizations, and very specifically, how we make important careers and shifts in our work and in our lives. Very good. Um, So let's start with the basic question, I guess. What does a leader look like? Who is a leader? Okay. So that's the perennial question. If it always leads to our leaders made or born. Yeah. Look, we tend to conflate the word leader with a formal position, a title. You're the CEO, so you're the leader, or you're the formal team leader, so you're the leader. In my world of the psychology of organizations, a leader is a being a leader is a role. It's not a person, it's not an appointment. It is simply Somebody who's involved in the process of getting other people to work towards a common goal, process of influencing people towards a common goal. So you're influencing people to do things that they wouldn't have otherwise done if it weren't for that leadership. And it's around a common goal. And so probably part of what you're doing is helping shape what that common goal is. But anybody who does that is a leader. Organizational structures aren't built around anybody being a leader it's it's a defined position isn't it so how do we how do we change that yeah that's not necessarily so okay first of all most work in organizations is done in teams in groups in a group you may have a formally appointed leader but you have lots of opportunities for people to exercise leadership by helping shape what the common goals are by um, getting people on board with certain ideas. You've always seen it. A person who's incredibly influential in a team meeting makes a statement that really coalesces people or challenges something that in a kind of a groupthink process, everybody was agreeing, but actually ends up feeling that that was the wrong solution. That's leadership. That's leadership as is leadership at a senior level. We also know people who have the title and who don't exercise leadership. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> who yeah. don't motivate people, who don't coalesce them around common goals, who get compliance uh, because they don't want to be fired, but don't really promote the achievement of those common goals. And so as a, a leader, are you better off um, as a team leader? Are you better off allocating responsibilities down to people or is it not a case of allocating? Is it people stepping up to the mark? Uh, to, to make yeah, that's Yeah. Um, you know, there's this is not necessarily my area of expertise, but there's a lot, um, a lot to consider in how you set up a team to work well. Yes. You know, why has it been commissioned? What has it been assigned to do? How has it been composed? Who's in it? Who's not in it? Is it the right people? Once you've got those variables in place and it's not trivial, then how do you go about doing the work in such a way that it actually happens so that people bring to the table? what they know 
yes. that they're not for, so that they're not hiding the information. You know, we've all had the experience of, you know, you walk out of a meeting and then you have the conversation. You tell your friend or you text, oh, that was a terrible meeting. <laughs> you know, why didn't anybody bring this up? And why didn't it happen in the meeting? And um, so there, there's a lot of design factors that go into play yeah. in making a team be as good as it can be. Some of those things require decision rights. Who gets to pick who's in it? Who gets to fund it? Uh, who gets to give it a mandate? But some of those things about how do you have a productive conversation such that people bring to the table what's really there can be distributed. And one of the things that we're talking about today in leadership is how to make it more distributed. And what is the role of that formal leader? Is it to provide the answer, the content, and then kind of railroad other people into it? Or is it to facilitate a conversation and a process in which people can bring their best and the common, the common solution that is the best solution emerges as a result of that leadership? So is that, is that leadership becoming a more of a coaching that's one of the things I've seen, and that's one of the right. things I'm going to be talking about here yeah. at the Irish Management Institute conference is leadership is becoming, not exclusively, so there are times when you bring an input yes. or you have an answer or you're certainly um, sharing a strategic direction that's important, but the how you get to it is very much a coaching role, particularly in the context where people on the ground who are much more customer or client facing, have more information, need leeway to make decisions. And so the question becomes, how do you empower and facilitate them? And that's a coaching role. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering then, if because I imagine different cultures take a different take on what a leader is and how that leadership role uh, engages with the team. So is it vastly different around the world in terms of leadership? You know, um, you have examples of good and bad leadership everywhere in the world. Yeah, I think the shift worldwide has been from more directive to more empowering and supportive leadership. I think that is what we're seeing. And you might see countries, um, you know, at different places on that journey. But the sweep is that way because uh, it is increasingly knowledge work, because we operate increasingly in a global and volatile environment, yes. because there's more uncertainty, because you cannot just dictate an answer and cascade it through. Stuff happens, so you have to iterate and adapt. And so that is the direction of travel. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you find examples that would surprise you in perhaps countries that you might associate with a much more classic leader, follower, authoritarian perspective. It's not always the case. Very good. And, and within your research, I know there's uh, a piece on uh, psychological safety. Right. So that's not that's not my research. That is, um, I'm drawing a lot on the work of Amy Edmondson at the Harvard Business School, who Mm -hmm. has pioneered ideas about psychological safety. And, And that's back to what I was talking about earlier. Are you creating a context in which within that team setting, people are able to say what's on their mind without fear of risk or ridicule or getting fired or what have you? And if you don't create that, you don't get the benefits of putting a team together. I mean, face it. Um, you know, a team takes more time. You're bringing people together, merging schedules. Sometimes some things are very efficiently done individually. If you're going to bring 
people together, then you've got to get the positive out of yes. it, the leverage out of it, rather than the fact that everybody's waiting to see who's going to speak up and is it okay to speak up? And psychological safety speaks to that. And, you know, coaching sounds really soft and all, but it's not necessarily soft. It doesn't mean you're not holding people accountable. It means that you are not taking a position um, as a leader, as a kind of a know-it-all, I've got the answer and I just need you all to comply. It's how do we create better answers together, invent better answers, figure this out as we go along and let me create a context in which we're all accountable, yes. but we're going to figure this out because I don't know the answer myself. So a bit of humility needed by the leader. To... I'm not the first perspective. <laughs> yes, a bit of humility is good. Yeah. Uh, and tell me then, um, if you're going to implement a, a sort of a change in culture in a, in a company, a change, change of emphasis, I guess, in terms of, as you said, that sort of more dictatorial leadership down to more coaching, uh, how are organizations, how do you structure your organization? Do you need to change the structure in organization or is it a, is it a case of of doing the learning with, with the leaders to get them to fundamentally think in a slightly different way about how they engage their teams. Right. So I'm going to take that one step at a time. Sorry, yeah. Um, Culture change is a big topic or cultural transformation because we know the the problem uh, for a lot of organizations, it's not just how they are structured, but the kind of mindsets and assumptions that are in place from years and years of operating a certain way that have become limiting in this new environment in a kind of what got you here will get you there scenario. Yes. And, and, and so a lot of organizations are trying to tackle directly. What are those mindsets? How do we have a more learning mindset, a more innovation mindset rather than kind of routine operational tick the box. And then the question becomes how you do it. Yes. And the problem is you really can't change a culture directly because a culture is the result of years of making decisions and seeing who's, what's been successful and who the heroes are and what's been rewarded and what's not. And so you have to start doing those new things, so rewarding people differently, having new heroes, telling new stories, um, doing things differently so that then it can start to sink in. And in that context, organizations inevitably realize that a lot of the structures and practices and procedures and processes that they have in place are not aligned to that new culture they want to have. They're much more apt to be reinforcing the old way of doing things. And so it becomes a slow process of unpicking a lot of ways of doing things because ultimately culture is about how we do things around here. Would you recommend then that they start... Companies start small in terms of that making that change, or is something more? You know, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no recipe for this. Mm. I think you need to understand uh, what kind of culture you want to have and how it differs from the culture you have already or you, yes. you you have had in the past. You need to articulate those ambitions. You need to get people on board who agree with that. You need people who are going to role model it. You need to show very clearly support and reward for people who are doing things in the new way. Um, You need to, you know, have a look at the way you appraise people's performance, at the way you review businesses, that the way you do your budgeting and planning, all the things that you do, you have to have a look at what is it that they are rewarding and reinforcing and is it aligned with what we're now trying to achieve 
And, and you know, slowly but surely, start tackling those things and start reinventing them. Yeah. And uh, I guess as a, as a final question, uh, as a as a leader myself of a team, any recommendations or places to start on, on that journey? You know, I think it's a it's a just start sort of situation. I, I've done a good bit of work on this. You know, we can go crazy kind of in our heads trying to figure <laughs> out the model and, you know, here's the perfect leader or the six skills or, you know, whatever, and try to get it all sorted. Uh, when in fact, the easiest way to do it and the most impactful way to do it is to think, here's one area I want to focus on. I want to increase my listening skills, or I want to learn to be a better coach, or I'm going to get better at facilitating these meetings so that people speak up more. Pick one thing and be curious and see what you learn and reflect on it and let that guide the next step. It's it's kind of act your way into a new way of thinking about it because we all give lip service to this new less command and control leadership model. But when we've got a deadline or when we get scared or when, you know, we've got a big deliverable, we revert back to form because that's all we've known. And um, it seems like a more surefire way of getting the result. And so we got to convince our own mindset that there's a better way. And the only way you do that is by trying it, getting better at it, and letting your own experience show you that it is a better way. <laughs> and trust. You've got to trust your own instinct then that it's heading in the right direction. Yeah. Because you're right. You, you, it's quite easy to uh, to revert Reverse to other that. ways. Yeah. It's We've been doing that for decades. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Herminia, thanks very much. That's brilliant. Uh, uh, really appreciate Thank the time you and, uh, and the insights that you've given us today. Thank you. Thanks.